episode of the Into the Night Minute. Each week, Movies by Minutes hosts examine the 1985 John Landis-directed comedy Into the Night, one minute of screen time per episode. This week, episode 33, (laughs) minute 33. Um, Who are we? Yeah, we are Rudy Thornburg, that is myself, and you just heard from Christopher Frayne. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we normally do is we do a podcast called Open the Podcast Doors How, where we discuss Stanley Kubrick's 1968 science fiction masterpiece, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, so a little, little, uh, little shift, little tonal shift for us. By the way, I did try to find any common uh, cast or crew member from 2001 and into the night on IMDb. I spent a very long time cross-checking IMDb. I could not find a single one. Films I would made have been so excited. Literally on opposite ends of the earth, 20 years apart. In different, completely different studio systems. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, it was worth looking though. Yeah, of course. Why we wouldn't would, you look? We would have done an entire episode profiling that person, maybe contacting their family like if they were not with us anymore mm. and uh, getting their entire life story and things like that. But alas, did not happen. Yeah. All right. So minute 33, you want to jump right in? Yeah, totally. So this is the minute where they see the Persian dudes in the car and they're right. getting out of the Mercedes. That was how our last minute ended. So right. here... They need a plan B yeah, if they're so, going to get out of this, this predicament. So Ed, Jeff, Goldblum says... So you can get a car because he re- he's realizing they're not going to be able to just walk away or run away, which seems like it might have been safer. I um, would have tried. Yeah. The last me- minute ended with him saying, no, we can't leave on foot. And actually, that might have been in L.A. Mm-hmm. You could probably. Well, if they just made one turn off of the road into another neighborhood, yeah. they could have been safe forever. I'm, I'm thinking of this like like it's a uh, Grand Theft Auto game situation and you know if i could just find like yeah a dumpster to hide in or something for a few minutes that's chris's life philosophy as yeah, well. yeah find a dumpster to hide in yeah. for a few minutes that's <laughs> the way to uh, solve any of, of that's how problems. that's our stress reaction yeah. yeah um so cut to they're sitting they're sitting in a car yeah convertible in a parking garage yeah it's a convertible what we can see in this opening shot and and you had mentioned that this was a comedic uh well yeah jump cut because they're sitting in this car he's at the wheel for some reason even though it's her who who has procured this car and goldblum says are you sure your brother won't mind and which doesn't make any sense because of course her brother will mind and he knows that right it's uh yeah, I don't have anything. All, to the that. only it's, reason it's, they it's have meant that, for for comedic purposes. Yeah, that, it's that like, line. ooh, we're doing crazy stuff now. But really, it's also meant to establish. Oh, in case you you know you couldn't wait the twenty seconds to find out from the visual clue, this is the car that belongs to her brother. Like, right. how did she procure the car? 
Oh, her brother has a car. Right. Apparently she knows how to get to the keys of the car. Right. And and this cuts to them not getting into the car They're already sitting or in establishing it. the car and then them walking into it. They're already sitting in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very 80s kind of cut. Um, they're already sitting in the car. What we can see in this shot is that the car has like red leather, red leather, yellow leather, uh, red leather interior um, seems to be something from the 50s or six or early, early 60s. Yeah. And uh, but we don't know. We don't get the full reveal yet. When they pull out, you can see the the grill and the fins. And it's like a 1959 Cadillac Coupe DeVille convertible. But um when you get to see the uh, full side, uh, you know, view of the car, what does it say on there, Chris? It says the king lives. Okay, so now we know it's the brother's car, and this is his showmobile. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, it's the idea being that this is funny because it's their getaway car, and they're gonna like, you know, blend into the L.A. night in this car. You'll um, never find him. He speaks five or he speaks twenty languages. He knows everyone from Cairo to Johannesburg. He will blend in. Do you know what I'm referencing? It's in um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade when Mm -hmm. the Nazis catch up to uh, Indy and his father. And and they say, well, Marcus Brody has the the map to the the, um, Holy Grail. And they say, well, he's in Africa. Oh, we'll f-. and the Nazis are like, we'll find him. And he's like, he'll blend in. You'll, you can't. And sure enough, he, the next it comedically yeah. jump cuts to, um, to Denholm Elliott saying, does anyone have, uh, does anyone know when the next train to Cairo leaves or something like yeah. that? <clears throat> Bumbling around. And of course the Nazis immediately go, that's the guy. Yeah. <laughs> So they pull out of Anyways, the parking garage. They're not going to blend in. Right. But they might blend in at in an Elvis impersonators convention in yeah, Las Vegas in, Las Vegas, yeah. in 19, 1985. Yeah. So they pull out. Nothing scrapes, even though they're coming up at a steep I angle. That too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was waiting for it. And that would have been funny. It could have been funny. Yeah. It could yeah. have been made, made things slightly more likable. And might, they might not have it's been. It's got a very floaty suspension. Well, oh, I, yeah. I mean, they all did back then. There's no sport mode. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they pull up and the Persian's gold Mercedes is blocking the exit. Yes. And so uh, you'll notice when, when they're leaving the parking garage, you don't see Michelle Pfeiffer's head. And I'm like, is this a right. continuity error? I, I kind of thought that. Yeah, too, but no, she's shot. hiding because yeah, right, they're the she's right. the one that they're looking for. And they pull up, and uh, Goldblum's kind of staring him down, like like, can you guys move the car? And they're staring at each other. And then John Landis peeks his head out the window to right. to look at them, and he's giving them like kind of a, a scrutinizing, squinty kind of look. Um, and this is all totally absurd because he's already seen Jeff Goldblum and he knows that that's the person that she escaped with. And was, was, was it Landis? Was it his character? And, and it's okay if you don't know this, because we watched this several days ago. Um, is he the one who jumped onto the hood of the car? I don't know, but all four of them were there. All five of them were there when they chased her. So they all saw him. Yeah. And the idea that they're looking for, and there's nobody else around, and there's this one guy, and let's admit it, Goldblum has a, a memorable yeah. appearance. It's not yeah. like he's like, oh, he just totally blends into the crowd. You know, you'd recognize this guy yeah. if you saw him somewhere. Um, so it, it's kind of dumb. And then Goldblum honks. 
Well, there, there's a pause because he's trying to figure. Jeff Goldblum's trying to figure out what do I do in this in this moment, you know. And 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 I I don't know if this is his decision is what have I got to lose? Yeah, because I have I'm on so little sleep that it's actually interfering with my survival. Yeah, what nothing- do they call that? Um, survival instinct or whatever it is. Um, or if it is a, I'm going to be cunning like a Fox yeah, or crazy like a Fox. That's it. Crazy like a Fox and hide in plain sight. Right. Which is, which is the believable acting like an annoyed Los Angeles person who's just, uh, I'm annoyed that you're in my way. Right. So he honks and Michelle Pfeiffer was like, what are you doing? And then uh, John Landis gives the nod to the driver to go ahead and move the car. It's a pretty smart move, actually. Now, yep. that, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, because if he had like backed up yeah, and tried to use like another exit. That's like trying that to run away from a cougar when you're hiking in the wild. You're just going to trigger that chase impulse. Did you hear about that person who strangled a cougar? That, Is that a metaphor? That, no. No, not. This is a family show. Come on now. I, well, I wasn't implying, <laughs> but, uh, what were you thinking yeah. of? No, no was, I didn't. There not. was a hiker that was confronted by a mountain lion uh-huh. several weeks ago and they just like choked him out. They, they choked out the mountain lion. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, it's a hell of a story. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, getting back to our minute. Uh, yeah, it works. And it wasn't Chuck Norris, by the way, it was I some mean, random yeah. person. Um, TV Schwarzenegger, but I I kind of like I I will admit I like that moment where he's he's just thinking and then just, well he becomes impressive for one moment yeah. you're like oh cool and like we don't get to think that he's cool again for like another half an hour yeah um but it works and you know another way to look at it is he's you know when you're behind the wheel of a you know convertible you 1959 may find Cadillac behind the wheel of a, a large, large automobile, automobile. <laughs> you may find uh, yourself with michelle pfeiffer yeah he's emboldened you know so what if they do notice it's me i'm gonna plow through their car that that was an option yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter they're not gonna be able to catch me that's a big unibody car that he's driving i mean and they were I mean, wasn't the the body plates on those cars were pretty thick back then? Right? I, I'm sure the, the thing the weighed, you know, three yeah. tons, four tons. It's just a, a gigantic, massive car. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, but it's a convertible, so it's got that going against. Yeah, it. it's a little bit of a you know torsion. It's going to be a little bit more floppy. You know, well, I was just thinking I could shoot them. Oh yeah, they're also more exposed <laughs> to the elements. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little less rigid, also more exposed. So uh, yeah, whatever. They, they pull the Mercedes away and uh, they exit in the Cadillac. Yes. Now, one of the things that I wrote is that we're getting some, some more uh, symbolism here, storytelling through symbolism, that you got Jeff Goldblum still in his knit tie, which mm. I love. Oh, and uh, <laughs> you're so freaked out by it the knit really, tie. It's just a creep move. It's like, Does why he, are you wearing that? It's a tie is meant to be like a formal article of clothing. And, you know, I, it's like a crocheted thing. And like we, Chris and I both remember what the aftermath of the 70s looked like. Those like crocheted um, dolls with the skirts that you, you put people would put on top of their spare toilet roll on the toilet tank. Or, uh, I mean, there's just all these horrifying things that are like leftovers from the seventies. And this is one that just, it, it feels like this, 
um, this artifact from the seventies got retooled for eighties usage. Hmm. Like, like they, they took skinny ties and then they took this fabric that has no business being a tie. This is like a pot holder. You know, that's what that fabric really needs to be. And the fact that somebody made a tie out of it is absurd. It's like, it's about as satisfying or pleasing as a shoe made out of fruit roll-ups. Wow. Or a speedboat made of bananas. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to ask our vintage clothing expert yeah. whether these knit ties are maybe going to make a comeback. Or Everything makes a comeback. a comeback. Yeah. I, I think this is the one article of clothing that will never make a comeback. It was lost to... Anyways, so he's, he's got... Now, you just watched the minute again. I did. Did he have his jacket, the court, green corduroy jacket? I believe he is still jacket. wearing his jacket, yeah. And it's a corduroy jacket, I believe. It is, yeah. yeah. Isn't it like sand colored? I think it's like a, like a more green, okay. like a sage or something. Sure. So he is dressed like, like an aeronautical engineer yeah. in 1985. Uh, like my, the, the, we're getting, this is, there's a or reason like there's emotional, uh, you know, I haven't, I have an association to these, you know, uh, these aesthetic choices because like I was mentioning in the previous episode, my mom's second husband was an engineer for bell labs. Mm-hmm. And I think they got together around 85, 86 and he wore the knit tie, which made no sense to me. He wore the plaid shirt. He wore the corduroy jacket. Um, he happened to have a, you know, a quasi cool car. It wasn't cool then in the eighties. It was a 1974, uh, Datsun 240Z. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is yeah, a great yeah, car. Yeah, I can picture uh, it. His yeah. was actually in that, um, uh, like sort of floor safety lime green. Ooh. It, it was really, really cool. I mean, okay. again, I in the eighties, not cool. Black. They sh- well, yeah, yeah. I, I would like that car in black or in maroon or something like yeah. that. But that was, that was a hot color. Um, but it was, uh, it was all covered, like totally rusted out, you know, it was every full of rust anyway. Um, so I have after coming from my father, who is a legitimately cool person to this guy, like the Uber nerd with no personality skill or ability to interact with other human beings. I have a, a profound negative association with say a knit tie. Okay. That, that we, we've made a breakthrough here on this podcast. Yeah. I'm ready to confront reality now, Chris. My, uh, I'm ready to. It's never too late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing I noticed. How are we doing for time? We're doing just fine. But oh, getting back to my point was that this is symbolizes that Goldblum is now completely out of his element. The character is completely out of his element, Um, and the the way he calmly drives off is sort of like, okay, well, here we go. So maybe this is finally breaking down his last bit of, well, we'll find out in the next minute it's not. But but it seems to imply that it's breaking down his resistance yeah. to the Joseph Campbellian call of adventure. This is his I'm exit threshold. Yeah. yeah, the hero's journey. Yeah. But yeah, there's nothing around him here. He's the trappings of his former life are being stripped away bit by bit. Right. And, and so we're starting by a crazy Elvis car. Yes. So yeah. we're starting to see some kind of charisma or initiative emerge from Jeff Goldblum's character. We get the BB King guitar. The thrill is gone. We could, by the way, when we watch this film together, every time that guitar lick started in, we would sing the thrills. Yeah. I, I'm really sorry about that. I mean, I, I didn't sing it well, but it was just, I don't know, man. 
Yeah. I'm a guitar player. You there know. was this thing in the 80s. Yes, there was. <laughs> it may have started with this film. Mm-hmm. But there was a thing in the 80s where like white guys in their 40s started to get into blues music. Yeah. Oh, well, who was the blind dude, the Canadian guy in Road, Roadhouse? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, not Jeff Healy? Yeah, Jeff Healy Band. Yeah, sure. And Stevie Ray Vaughan. Robert, Robert Cray had mm. a top 40 hit. Oh, that movie, The Craze, is really good. <laughs> and The Cray Supercomputer is even better. I don't know about that one. Um, and B.B. King and uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Stevie Ray Vaughan. And Stevie Ray Vaughan. Buddy Guy. Buddy Guy. Yeah. Like they all had these career resurgences. Yep. In the mid to late 80s, which I thought was, was, and it was all fueled by white guys in their 40s buying CDs of modern blues music. And it was like, well, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't appreciate that movement. No, I'm, I'm, I, I'm just saying like, as a, as a guitar player, like I, I you learn to hate all of the tropes of yes. guitar playingness and how other people relate to the guitar. Uh, and, uh, this, this is just one of those things that I, I, I never, and I, I love the blues and I love to play the blues on the guitar. And that's kind of why this like completely canned hackneyed, like, Oh, like that's that one signature riff. You, you know, it's buddy guy cause of this or Albert King cause right. of this. Uh, and you know, Albert King is like you, when you listen to him, Oh, he must've totally ripped off Stevie Ray Vaughan. Cause when you listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan, it's like, Oh, it's like a classic blues player did a lot of cocaine and practiced and got really, uh, aggressive on the guitar, but it, the notes are the same. It's like Albert right. King. And, but just this, um, this BB King thing, it's just, yes, that's the same lick. Can we not, can we stop hearing it? Cause it's been 20 minutes and we've heard it five times and this is a different scene. And again, Maybe the music budget ran out and that, uh, I mean, this movie constantly tries to reset. Like it, it tries to get to its home base to remind you of like what the does. heart of the film is. It does. You're, and there is yeah. no heart of the film and it never succeeds because it's not a whimsical, wacky comedy and it's not a, a gritty noir crime drama, you know, which they try to get back to, you know, over and over again. It's not a thrilling chase action, action movie. Movie, yeah. And uh, so every time they try to pull you into one thing or another to try to remind you of what this film is, um, it's I, I'm I is am it tired a, of is it. Is it a coming of age story set against the backdrop of post-war Japan? <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, he does a good job of getting out of the parking spot. I wrote that down. <laughs> In a car like that. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. I, I can't even get my wife's Toyota 4Runner out of a Trader Joe's parking lot without doing a executing it. That's just a twenty-seven point turn. You don't need to talk about a Trader Joe's parking lot. Yeah. That's 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 level of difficulty is pretty high there. Yeah. That's low low common denominator humor from you, Chris. You can do better than that. I had to back into your driveway today, Chris. How'd you do? Well, great, of course, because when you go in forwards and you back out, you always scrape the nose. His driveway is steep. So this minute and oh, wait, I wasn't what? done. Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> this minute ends with uh, Landis and company in the uh, Mercedes finally begrudgingly moving, uh, you know, just pulling forward. Three the other feet. guys are already on foot scoping out the apartment. Right. It's just Landis and the driver. Well, Landis and the driver. 
uh, Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, I was trying to. Think yeah, I know. I, know. I saw the wheels turning. <laughs> you saw the gears turning in yeah. my head. <laughs> yeah, Riptide. Um, God, I love that show. They begrudgingly decide to move the Mercedes a little bit forward. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down: Is this the first time that we see the John Landis characters? hideous scarring yeah he's got like a slit throat scar tissue thing going on right is that sort of a joke that like no one would be alive who has a scar like that maybe that one hockey goalie that got is it a joke cut and survived i think it's meant to be tough like all these guys are scary they mean business yeah we might all have beards and softly tinted aviator sunglasses, but uh, are those glasses going to come back? Jesus Christ! Have well, no, the hipsters kind of like those, right? Yeah. yeah, it'll be on the tail of vaporwave. Yeah, I kind of like those. Sure, I, I you you can't picture me wearing them though. Well, I can't wear them. They don't look good on me. Yeah. Uh, and that's about the yeah. end of minute thirty-three. What do we have to plug? Well, listen to open the podcast doors. Hal, that's a little podcast. Chris and I do that. Uh, I already mentioned at the uh, onset of this particular episode. Um, I don't talk so much about my uh, my stepfather on that podcast. <laughs> I'll reserve all that stuff uh, for this podcast. Uh, but we talk uh, roughly five times a week. We publish an episode about one minute from 2001 A Space Odyssey. But we do some bonus episodes. We have lots of guests, not just from the podcasting world, but from other tangentially uh, or directly related uh, areas of expertise or passion. So it's a very enjoyable uh, romp. It's a romp. It's a romp. Well, regarding the Into the Night podcast, if you're looking for social media destinations for this podcast uh you can find well first of all you can find this podcast on itunes and google play you probably already did and you probably already did yeah but in case you you like are switching back and forth between devices or something like that Mm -hmm. and maybe you have an android phone so you don't have itunes you can find it on google play uh you can also find the podcast uh their website nightminute.com and if you're looking to interact with other listeners of the Into the Night Minute, you can go to how appropriate is this? The King Lives Listeners Limo. So that's a Facebook group page, kind of mm-hmm. like ours, called Space Station Five. So we have two vehicles, iconic vehicles, as the names of their Facebook listeners group. So that's the King Lives Listeners Limo. And if you're looking for information on this podcast on Twitter, you can find that at Night Minute on Twitter. Cool. Well, that's about it for Minute 33. Any last thoughts? Uh, yes, there's a Criterion edition of Michael Mann's The Thief starring I James Conn. I almost thought you were going to say there was a Criterion edition. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's my closing thought. All right. We will see you next Wednesday. Do we thank you or what? I say I fall in the or what category.